Hallelujah. What a great God we serve today. Hallelujah. Oh, how I love him. Been singing that uh, song during the week. We heard the the tune to that song while we were away on vacation. Of course, it's not, it wasn't originally the song we sing in church. It was something else. But, uh, of course, that's all we heard. We would sit there and enjoying some time just sitting down and cooling off. And I kept, in my mind, I said, why am I singing a church song right now? It's because it was playing. And I'm so thankful that that's there, that when I hear that, it just made me think of, of that song. And, man, I tell you, I do love the Lord this morning. So gl- glad for him today. God is good. Amen. We're going to continue in our uh, lesson on learning how to unplug. Last week we talked about embracing that Sabbath principle. Uh, I hope that maybe this week you sought out some time to uh, read and pray, just meditate on the Lord, just um, you know, carve you out some time. One writer in the scripture said, seven times a day do I praise thee. You know, and I, so that's, I'm sure he didn't mean like at 8 o'clock I get up and say praise the Lord seven times. I, I think he probably had time set aside in his day where he would just stop and praise God for however long it didn't say, but uh, was intentional about uh, that time with God and doing something with him. And and uh, so it's not always about quantity, but it's about the quality. God knows if you if you work a a 12-hour-a-day job. He knows that. And he also sees when on your 15-minute break, you, you take 10 of that uh, to just read or to meditate on him. And he understands, hey, they're using the time they've got, and, and I'm telling you, God will bless that. Uh, but he also knows if you have more than that. So, um, you know, we just we want to be faithful to the Lord. I, I enjoy time with God. Enjoy time with God. But so last week we did learn about that, taking time, because that refreshes our spirit, our soul, that inner man, and gives us time and uh, opportunity to get closer to the Lord. And I want to know more about him. I want to know more about him. Today we're going to talk about moderation. That's not modesty. That's not what we're talking about, moderation. Uh, so the idea is that because there are so many things that are trying to get our attention, you ever notice that, you know, between advertising and things, you know, there's something always trying to grab you, trying to catch your attention, you know. Uh, well, it's like that in life. There's things that would love to just involve you so it could keep you away from the Lord. I don't want to be away from Him. We have to practice moderation in all things. Remember, it's not wrong to do the right thing. Just don't do the right thing at the wrong time. So we must practice moderation in all things. Our scripture, Ecclesiastes, chapter 2 and verses 10 and 11. Solomon, in some of his writings, Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11. He said, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. You have to look at all the my that you see in here, the eyes and the my. And this was my portion of all my labor. And then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all 
was vanity, vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. So we're going to talk about moderation this morning, how to unplug. That's part of it is moderation. Let's pray for the lesson today. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that we spend with you. Lord, the fellowship that we have. Lord, when we pray and fast and read and meditate, God, we just appreciate it. Today, Lord, help us have that balance, Lord, that true balance in you, God. And we want to be better. Lord, we want to be focused on you. We want to be able to hear your voice. So help us today to learn this lesson about moderation. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand. Shout a praise for his word this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. And you can be seated this morning. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. When uh, you think of Solomon and you think about uh, all he had accomplished, is Solomon such a wise king and uh, there was not another king like him in the land? David's son, that's just having that, the ancestry that he had was tremendous to be the son of a man who was after God's own heart, a great king. But when you read his writings, you understand that he's not just writing generally for everybody else. He's also writing of his own life and his own experiences, what he has seen. Maybe that was part of uh, even the wisdom that God had given him that he could actually examine himself and see where his faults lie. But to have all that he had and everything that he was uh, blessed with and given, you would think that uh, he had no cares, no worries, that everything would be fine. But, you know, we know that's not true because we even see today in our world the, the Solomons of the world who have, it seems, anything that they could desire, and yet they're not happy. You see in the news about there's always trouble, there's scandal, there's something, or they take their life sometimes. It's just... You know, it's never, it's like they could have anything they want and they turn to this or they could have all that they desire but they turn to this and they go this way and that way and get tied up in this and, and you know, you, you think you, these, you know, superstars, athletes, whatever they are, these multimillionaires, that anything that they want, they're the Solomons of our day as far as possessions go but they're not happy And Solomon sat down in in, in the very first chapter of this book, uh, in the second chapter of Ecclesiastes, he said, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. That's all he had to say at that point about what his life had now added up to. And uh, when you're on the outside looking at his life, we can't even conceive that. How did he get to that conclusion? He has everything that he could want. But uh, he still found himself later in his life in a place that he should not have been. He came to a place where um, somehow that he, serving God and being a king over God's people was no longer enough. That he started to try to accumulate more and more and more 
uh, having 700 wives, 300 concubines. He had not moderated his desires in any way. Whatever he had seen and desired, he just got it because he could. He was Solomon. Whatever he saw, it's mine. And, you know, we, we try to teach our kids at a young age that's not the way to be. You just don't get anything you want because we don't want them to be spoiled. And so maybe in a sense there was uh, Solomon had become spoiled that he was able uh, to just have everything he wanted. But when he looks around at all these guys and he's surrounded by everything he had desired, there was no satisfaction in it. He said it's vanity. There's no profit to it uh, when I die, it's going to somebody else. It's not it, it, the pleasure that I thought it would bring. It's not there. Uh, so I keep getting another. How do you start out? How, how do you end up with 700 wives? Man, don't ever get, get upset with the woman that had five husbands. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're, but 700 wives? 700 proposals? I don't know. I mean... How, how did, did, was that one at a time where he just say, hey, send me 700 people and we'll just do this all at once? I don't know how that happens, but, but maybe it was two or three at a time. Hey, there's another. Look at her. She's beautiful. Like, hey, I'll have her. And just kept, uh, I want her, I want her, I want her. Just picking them out. Maybe they were bringing them into his country because they were not uh, his people. They were the people that God had warned him about. And so he was not satisfied anymore. And, but the more that he tried to, uh, bring in the more abundance he, he got lopsided there was no moderation in his life he was adding stuff but he was uh, the scale of where him and God were it was beginning to tilt and, and the things of the world were coming down and, and the things that he had with God the wisdom that he had the time he had with God the, the true worship he had with God was beginning to slide and so the things of this world were weighing him down when the scripture tells me to lay aside every weight if I've picked up something where it's noticeable weight, then it's too much. And if I am doing things in this world that I begin to notice that it is pulling my attention, if it's wearing me out mentally and physically and spiritually and, or emotionally, if it's, if it's exhausting me, then I am not in balance. And I, now I've got to get some moderation in my life because I, I am leaning too far one way. And you can only lean so far before you fall. No matter how balanced you are, no matter how good at yoga you might be, you're going to lean too far, you're going over. I've seen plenty of fail videos. I know they eventually they fall. You can't just keep uh, doing the things that uh, one way is, is too much. You can't have, there can be too much of a good thing. You can take vitamins, it's good, but you've got to take them in moderation. You can't just chug a whole bottle of vitamins It'll kill you. How'd he die? He ate a whole bottle of vitamins. Vitamins are good for you. Not all at once, it's not. You've got to have moderation. You've got to have something else with it. Uh, you, know, you, you can't have all of something and, and expect it to work out for you. It's going to uh, influence you in a way that's not going to be good. That's why you can't just, uh, your, your passions can't all just be on things of this world. It's got, you've got to have our focus, our number one goal is to serve the kingdom of God. And we've got to make sure that we are not uh, focusing more on the kingdoms of this world. Moderation. And so when Solomon looks around, no satisfaction. 
He feels, oh, you know, it's vanity. That's, that's how he's summing up his life. Vanity, 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 vanity. All of it's vanity because it has not made me better. It has not got me closer to God, but it's driven me further from God. You see, you don't think about that a lot of times when you think about Solomon. He's David's son. He's wise, and, and he, he started out on the right path, but he got off the right path. And we have to remember that, even, yes, he's Solomon. And I'm not here to judge Solomon, but I'm telling you what I read about him in the Scripture is that he ignored God's warnings. He ignored God's word. He ignored what God said. And because he did, he got off on the wrong track. And when he set down his own self to write about life and things in this life, all he could sum his own life up was vanity. You're the king. Vanity. It's, all these things were just vanity. And so when he says, finally, we, we read the scripture this, that we started out with, he said, everything that my eyes desired, I, I took it. I didn't keep it from, from, from them. I just I, I withheld not my heart from any joy. That was a problem right there. He said, because the scripture says, we talked about it in another lesson not in this, but in our Wednesday night, how that the backslider in heart is filled with his own ways. And he began to fill his heart with things of this world. And, and sure, uh, at the beginning, temporary joy. Oh, look at this. This is neat. I'm glad I've got this. But after a while, what does it profit? And anything, he says, for my heart rejoiced in all of my labor. I'm looking at all. He, he starts saying, look at all I've got all that I've done, all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. But then he steps back, and let me tell you about the previous statement. I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought and on the labor that I had labored to do, and it was vanity. It's like trying to grab the wind. You can't grasp it. It was just vanity. It didn't add up to anything. It was a vexation of my spirit. It brought me worry, anxiety, stress, depression. He said, and there was no profit under the sun. It didn't, it didn't really bless me at all. It was there. It was a bunch of stuff, but it was nothing. It was just nothing. It didn't, it didn't work out for anything. And when I think about uh, him writing this, it reminded me, uh, to me, it was very similar to what John wrote, 1 John 2, 15 and 16, when he told us to love not the world and neither love the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he, he said, for all that is in the world, this is Solomon, just think about Solomon now, everything in the world that he could see, that his flesh wanted, lust of the eyes, everything that my eyes saw, pride of life, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. He said, all these things I'm looking at, I know all these, these 700 wives, 300 concubines, they're not uh, ordained of God. But my eyes wanted them, my flesh wanted them, and so I brought them into me, and now I'm out of balance because there's no moderation in my life. I am just going for everything I can pile up to myself, and it won't mean anything. At some point in Solomon's reign, he had forsaken the wise path of finding meaning and fulfillment in a life that was devoted to God and had sought it in excess. Thought, the more I get the more blessed I am. People think that today. I, I, I told someone recently, I said, you know, people, they get a, a, a great job, they get a, some, a, in their life, or they, they get these promotions and things like that, 
and they think, look what God did. God, that's, you know, that's, or you know, God did that because uh, uh, I'm so good, and, and look, look at how God blessed me. But people get promotions and, and get rich all day long without God's help because that's what the world does. Even, uh, even the devil told the Lord, he said, I can give you all these riches. So everything that, that sets you up or promotes you is not from God. It, that doesn't mean it's from God. If you're not serving God and not acknowledging God in your life and, and you get a great job, that don't mean it was God. God's not going to give you a job that will give you more money and give you promotion and give you power and things like that if it's just going to keep you away from him. But I'll tell you somebody that will do that. He said, you can have all this stuff. You'll bow down and worship me when you start getting in love with the world. Oh, he'll, he'll, make, he'll open doors. He'll make things easy for you so he can keep you because he knows you can catch more flies with honey than with vinegar too. Come on, somebody. He, he ain't stupid. <laughs> well, see, because see, we, we get it in our mind. Well, I don't want nothing the devil's got because all he's got is a pitchfork and fire. Bible said he'd come at you like an angel of light and, and, and come at you soft and subtle and whispering and, and encouraging you and, and, and patting you on the back as he uh, ushers you toward the wrong side. You better be careful about those kind of things. We need uh, moderation. And, and, but when you stop uh, pulling away from God, when you stop reading his word, when you stop praying and you stop worshiping, there's no more moderation there. You're not... Uh, uh, you're living more to the flesh, more to the carnal mind. The carnal mind is uh, enmity with God. It's not subject to God. And all of a sudden, you can't even tell that it's the enemy. But the Bible says for a believer is not ignorant of his devices, but you can get to a point in your life where you don't recognize that it's even the enemy anymore because there's no more moderation in your life. I don't want to do that. There's, so there's people that think, let's just be like Solomon. Let's just gather it all in. Let's get the excess and let's have all this stuff. But uh, he sought this in an immoderate pursuit, uh, and it was not going to work, and it won't work for us. The Bible says, Solomon even wrote this, there's nothing new under the sun. So if you think that we can handle it better than Solomon did, we can't. God gave us this example in his word. Hey, look at this wise man, wisest man that had ever been, wisest king to ever exist, and look at what happened when he began to trust in excess instead of me, when he just started accumulating things instead of following me. And that's the way it is today. Countless people, including, guess what, church people, us, if, hey, you know what the Bible says about Solomon when he was born? And God loved Solomon. Loved him. And uh, set him up. And, and like I said, Solomon started out great. But let me tell you something. Uh, it's just like that. God loves every one of us. And we have started out great. Do not get off the path of, and get onto the road of excess. Do not think that let me just get all I can and do everything else but serve God because you will not find your... You, that's like I say, when people get born again, baptized in Jesus' name, full of the Holy Ghost, you're like, man, so much potential, and then they just walk away from God. But I've been born again, so I'm going. And they just go do everything else but serve God. There's going to be a lot of people who have obeyed Acts 2.38 will never hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. 
That's a fact. That's, that's cold, hard fact, but it's fact because uh, if, if you think you can't lose out with God, somebody has lied to you because we can get so caught up in the things of this world that we start ignoring God and we think, man, I love God. I, I remember how, how it felt, but then we'll eventually forget how it felt to pray, forget how it felt to weep in an altar, forget how it felt to praise him and to worship him and serve him. And, and we just trusted in an experience that we had. And while it was good and while it was true, we have let it die in our life while we fed the physical man. We've got to have mo- moderation in our life. We've got to uh, not be so, so wrapped up. I know that you cannot be here 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I don't even, uh, never, nobody, I can't be here uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. I know that. But let me tell you, there's got to be more time spent with God than there are with things of this world. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. It, that's, that's just nature. It's a principle that we know. Uh, whatever you do, that's what you'll become. Where you spend your time, where you spend your money, that's where your heart is. It's, the Lord told us, lay up, don't lay up treasures for yourself in this world. This is where, because it, it, it won't, you know what it won't do? It won't profit. Just like Solomon said, you can gather all you want to up in this world. The moth will get it, rust will get it, or a thief will get it. Or you'll die and somebody else will get it. And that's what the Lord said, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And if your treasure is in him, if your treasure is in this new life, if your treasure is in hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant, you will spend time with him. Quiet. You hear what I'm saying? Can you hear your pastor this morning? Let me tell you something. I love enjoying life. I love taking some time. Like we did this week, going on vacation, got to see things I've wanted to see for a long time. Got to see things I've wanted to see since I was nine years old. And... uh, it was awesome. It was great. It was very, but you know what? The, we couldn't wait to get back. I was glad for the time. I'm not a, sorry that we took the time. I'm glad we took the time to be with one another and, and just get refreshed and to relax and do those things. But you can't stay on vacation all the time. You got to remember, hey, I got to get back to the plow. I got to get back to the field. I got to get back to the harvest and to the kingdom work and, and take some time and do those things, have vacations and all that. But you can't just live on vacation. You got to realize there's a work to be done and things to do in this world today. I don't want to get caught up trusting in uh, the, the things of this world. Uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 5 and 6, that there are people who think, that gain is godliness. He said, withdraw yourself. That stuff must be catching. It must be contagious. It's like the flu. When you see people that think, hey, man, just get all you can get. How'd you get all that stuff? Because God is good to me. And sometimes people are giving God the glory and he didn't give them none of it. It's true. But they... Use that to say, I don't have to go to church and I still got all this. I don't give no tithes and no offering, but I still got all this. Well, there's a lot of people who don't give tithes and offerings and they got more money than you can count because that's what they do. But godliness 
uh, gain is not godliness, but godliness with contentment is great gain. That's, uh, I, I'm content with what he has given me, and, uh, and I'm not uh, worried about all these riches I can get. He said in verse 17 that you need to uh, warn them. Uh, go on and give me that verse 17, if you would, First Timothy 6 and 17. I think it's up there. There it is, yeah. Charge them that are rich in this world that they don't, they don't get high-minded or even trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. God has filled this world up with things that we can enjoy, but it's God that we give the glory to. And we don't trust in uncertain riches because we know these riches can take wings and fly. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 told us that don't labor to be rich. And when we think of rich, we think of abundance. So don't labor to just gathering things in. And he said, cease from your own wisdom. And then will you set your eyes upon that which is not for riches? Certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward the heaven. You can't hold on to those things. And that's what Solomon said. It's like grasping the wind. He said, it's vanity. He said, it's a vexation of my spirit because the tighter I try to hold on, uh, the, the more they keep getting away. And the more aggravated I am, the more stressed I am. A lot of times you see people who their, their life's goal is to make more money or get more. They're so frustrated and worried or stressed, always watching the market, always watching the rates, always watching their bank account. You know, just, and I was saying you're not supposed to be responsible, but it's like they can't stand to think something's leaving or I'm not getting something else or I'm not making some more or I didn't make much on that deal and it worries them and, and drives them crazy. And they, they, they drive themselves into the grave. And then when they're gone, what did it profit? All the time that you spent trying to accumulate things of this world and you didn't spend any time with God. You didn't teach nobody about the Savior. You didn't tell your kids about Jesus. You, you, you just, uh, just uh, well, I'm working for them. Let me tell you, your kids would rather have you than have, just have your paycheck. They'd rather have you. They'd rather talk to you. They'd rather be around you than just uh, know, hey, where's dad? He's at work. Wake up next morning. Don't even see him. He works all day, works most of the night. Get up. Where's dad? He's at work. See him for a few minutes on the weekend, maybe. That's not living. That's not moderation. That's not what God wants us to have, and that is certainly not unplugging. And we need to take a step back and unplug ourselves from the mindset of, i got to have, 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 have all these things and think that's going to make you happy. It won't. It's not going to. Maybe some temporary fleeting joy, but eventually it goes away. Solomon's life stands as a constant warning to the futility of seeking fulfillment and meaning in materialism. I know how, if we're not careful, we'll think, well, that's American. I'm not talking about capitalism. I'm talking about, hey, work and make money. You've got the right to work, make money and spend your money and have a business. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about materialism, where I've just got to have stuff and my trust is in stuff. And, and, and it, the most, you know, that'll say the one that dies with the most toys win. He just died. <laughs> he, you know, he didn't win nothing if he wasn't saved. If he wasn't born again, he didn't win nothing. He lost everything. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world but then lose his own soul? You know, without moderation, uh, we cannot successfully navigate this life and live a life for the Lord. And we can't maybe get that sometimes because we think 
uh, that, well, I'm sure that I'm not a king and there's no way I could ever, so it's not going to get me because I'm not rich anyway. So I ain't got to worry about trying to gather stuff. But it, it doesn't matter rich or poor. People can covet and amass things to themselves and start, you know, they, they can immerse themselves in things they can do. They may not have all the money in the world, but they spend all their time on a hobby and a recreation. And they spend more time in this hobby or this recreation or, you ever seen hoarders? There ain't people with a lot of money. They've just got stuff. Plastic forks, napkins, can't throw it away. Just house full of stuff, tunnels through their house. Got to have it. Don't know what they got, but if you was to take one thing out, they lose their mind. There's no comfort, no peace in what they've done. They, they think that, oh, I've got to have it. And they, but all they've done is walled themselves in. And they, and they can't have any peace. And you start trying to move that stuff. You ever watched, seen that show? People are losing their mind. They come in to start cleaning up, and they're like, well, what can you get rid of? And they're looking around. It's junk. Hey, what about that wadded up piece of paper? Well, I don't know. You have to think about that? What about that, that, that old smashed Coke can? You know, what? Oh, well, no, you know, it's just like they can't get rid of anything. They're living for stuff and, and got to have more stuff. And, yeah, there's something going on up there with that, and, they, and there's some, some things that have to be treated. I, I get it. I, I believe it's a, like a disease, and, and they do need help for those kind of things, and God help them to find it. But it's like that. What I'm telling you is that as poor people do the same thing, they amass stuff as well. It's, I got to have it. I got to have it. Just more stuff, more stuff. Are you going to use that? Nope. I saw a guy one day, uh, you know how I am about the old cars. One day I saw a guy had a nice Mustang sitting in his driveway. It was for sale. Me and Jamie Hubbard pulled in. Let's, let's go look at that. Ask him about it. He wanted way too much money for me. But he said, oh, yeah, I've got plenty of cars. And I looked around and I said, I don't see them nowhere. So he takes us around back. This man's property is full of cars. Not nice sitting under garages and covered, sitting in the trees, sitting in the woods, trees growing up through the floorboards. And he's like, yeah, he said, I, you know, I'd like to sell this stuff, but I ain't going to just give it away. I thought you probably couldn't give some of these away. But he said, I'll just let them sit here and rot before I get rid of them. And just barns full of them. He had two shelters, two barns full of them, same thing. You can tell, you just see where rats that eat the seats up and things like that, just sitting out there. Oh, yeah, I got some nice stuff. What you going to do? Oh, I'm fixing it up one day. No, you are not. You just want it. You just think it's something to have it. And then at the end of your life, you got a bunch of broke down. You, you got a junkyard. You got your own salvage yard that's not even salvageable anymore. The scrap metal people won't even take it. It's rusted to pieces. There's nothing left of it. And that's the way it is when we just keep gathering stuff. It just ends up disappearing. But the one thing that don't disappear is what God gives us. Let me tell you, you will never, ever, time in prayer is never wasted. An experience with God is never wasted. A, a touch of the Holy Ghost is never wasted. A, an experience with Him is something you'll take with you all the way to the end. You'll never forget it. And that's what I, I, I want to make sure that I, I'm uh, working on myself, make sure that I'm not so caught up or engrossed in something of this world that don't really mean anything at all, but it's pulling me away from time with the Lord. Hebrews 13 and 5 told me to be content with whatever things I have. Or, well, let your conversation or your behavior 
be without covetousness. Quit trying to grab things. Be content with what you have, for he has said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Your time and focus and energy is toward the Lord. Uh, again, yes, you're going to have time with your family. That's great vacation. You're going to have times at home just where you're there with your, your family, things like that. But spend time with the Lord. Spend time in prayer. Teach your kids about the Lord. He, the Lord told Israel at the beginning, he said, look, when you rise up in the morning, you better be talking about this word. And when you have your kids, you better be teaching them about this word. And when you lay down at night, you better be thinking about this word. He said, because I know there's going to be things all day long trying to get you. And that's why uh, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or in that sits in that seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law does he meditate day and night because there's going to be something after you. Hey, Peter, man with the keys, guess what? Satan has desired to have you to sift you as wheat. He's going to try to separate you from what I called you to do. He's going to try to, uh, you, you don't know, you and I don't even have any idea what kind of temptations came Peter's way. We read some things, but that ain't the sum of Peter's life. We don't know how many times Peter was offered, hey, look, we'll just pay you to come and be our priest. Or we, you know what people did back then, and, and God knew, Peter, somebody's going to be after you. The enemy's going to be after you, trying to offer you things, and, and they're going to see the, the gifts you have and the anointing you have, and, and they're going to be coming in after you. But I'm praying that your faith fail not, and, and you'll stick with me, and, and, and you'll convert people and things like that. And, and so we, you know, we, we've got the same enemy looking at us, trying to separate us from spending time with God. does not want you. This world does not want you to pray or seek God. It wants you to always just be looking at something else, wishing you had something else. But in, in the very beginning, in the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not covet. All you want everybody else's stuff. Trying to have more. Trying to have more. If I got more, that means I'm more popular. That means I'm more successful. That means God loves me more. No, it don't. No, it don't. God loves the poor. God loves the stranger. God loves the humble. Pride goeth before destruction. People proud of all they've gotten. Headed for a fall. Headed for a fall. You can be thankful to God for things that he's blessed you with, but when that pride starts coming, you're, you're headed for a fall. You ever found yourself saying this, if I only had whatever, then I'd be happy. You know, we've all done it. You've been riding down the road seeing that billboard and it says Powerball. $319 billion. If I had that, I know what we say. Well, if I had that, none of my family would ever work. I'd pay off the church. I'd just furnish missionaries. I'd do, that's, say it all, say it all, say it all. And then, but whoo, if you saw $319 billion hit your bank account, you don't know where you'd end up because you could just do what you want to. Man, I sure would like to go to Australia. Well, why don't you just go get in your private jet and go because you got one now. Man, I've always wanted to just go around the world. Why don't you? 319 billion, you won't even scratch that. <laughs> go ahead. And you could see, that's what, for what you wanted in this world, there would be no restraints. You could buy a sports team. You could build your own stadium and name it after you. you 
This is not Dooley Field. This is Dooley Walden Field. You know, what you doing? Who's Dooley? You get $319 million? Let me tell you, Georgia would be like, yeah, we need that kind of money. Come on. They, they'll be making, people make exceptions when you wave that kind of money around. But then you die and be lost without it. Somebody else be spending it, flying on your jet, spending your money, renaming your field. Oh, but if I only had. Well, I get it because I've said the same things. Wow, if I had that, I'd just take care of it because I know people that's struggling or needing something. I'm like, why? They would never have to worry about working. They wouldn't need to, I'd buy my house, buy two brand new cars, and man, I'd just buy a Kroger and put it in their backyard. They wouldn't have had groceries. <laughs> wouldn't ever have to be hungry again. Think, well, they'd just be took care of. But you know what people get when they get that much money? They're scared to give any of it away. One man said in the scripture, don't give me riches and don't give me poverty. I won't be so rich, God, that I forget about you, but I won't be so poor that I curse you. When you serve the Lord, you'll have what you need because he shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. If you seek him first, all these things shall be added unto you. God will give you what you need to live. and give, God will give you what you need to live with moderation so that you are not so far over the line that you can't see him anymore, that you're so rich and wealthy now that you lose sight of God. I don't want to lose sight of God. I want to make sure that I am uh, clinging to him and and it says, you know, give me the things that are convenient for me or things that will uh, work well, it fits well with my need and my plan. Don't, I don't want something that will just, wow, this is stupid money. I don't know what to do now. Like one comedian said, giraffe money. You know, you could buy a giraffe if you wanted one. And, and uh, I don't want that kind of money because I don't know how to handle that kind of money. I don't. Somebody would say, hey, here's $5 million. I don't, oh, I'm going to end up, you know what's going to happen? I'm going to end up with a 12-car a garage that's full of 12 different, yeah, I'm going to have one from every year. Uh, it's going to be, uh, it, it'd be a Mustang farm, won't be horses. It'd be, it, would you do that? I probably would. I'd probably be, well, yeah, that wouldn't be, I can't drive all of them. And you know what? I wouldn't let nobody else drive them, so it'd be, they'd just be sitting there. It would be a museum, people looking at them. Because, no, no, you might scratch it, wreck it. You, you know how to drive that? Could you, you, know, you, know, it, you don't know that kind of money and make you crazy. But when you, when you load yourself down, the Lord says, I load you daily with benefits. In other words, I, I give you benefits daily, and, and now freely I have received, freely give. You learn to be a giver. of the th- you know, I never worry about uh, running out of faith or Holy Ghost or anything like that whenever I'm praying for somebody or counseling somebody, talking to somebody, because it never ends. It's, it's living water. It's refreshing. It's there. It's an ever-abiding presence. It's there, and I'm content with the things I have. Yeah, you know, if something breaks, I want something. I don't want to just have something that's broke. I want something that I'll fix it, you know, but hey, guess what? I don't have to have something brand new every day of the week so I can be happy. I'm happy living, breathing, with the people I love and living for the Lord and serving the Lord. And I've learned to find that moderation that the scripture talks to us about. We need to have that. And, uh, Solomon, you know, just 
Got to have more. Got to have, have more stuff than we can ever imagine. But he was unsatisfied. He was unsatisfied. He had uh, everything that he could want. But he said this himself. The eye is not satisfied with seeing and the ear is not filled with hearing. It's constantly always looking, always never, never full. Never. It's not, you think about as long as you've got sight, you'll just keep looking and you'll always be seeing. It'll never stop until the day you die. And that's what he's making that comparison. It's like when you go after stuff, and it's, you got that lust of the eye going, it's never satisfied. Never satisfied. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to live like that because it's like I'll feel unsatisfied because I don't have everything I see. You know, I see stuff all the time. I'm not saying I don't have things like, oh, boy, that's nice. I mean, I'll see uh, something, you know, a car or even a house or where I'm like, oh, man, that's nice. But I'm not going to go take out a loan or do something that's going to make me a slave to the lender so that I can just have that and it not really mean anything. You, I can enjoy. I, I'm content with the things I have and uh, because he has said he's never going to leave me and never going to forsake me. The things that matter come from him. And that's where we need to find ourselves is that uh, in a place where we're dealing in the things that matter. And it's going to take moderation if it's going to happen. So in contrast to the folly of excess pursued by Solomon, Scripture counsels us to pursue moderation, be self-controlled in all areas of our lives so our best efforts may be giving, given to knowing God. I want to know more about Him. If I'm always focused on other things, I'm not, I don't have time to learn about God. Our motivation to pursue moderation is the recognition that an unrestrained pursuit of more will never satisfy us. It only distracts us from what in the end truly satisfies our relationship with God. So much is at stake even our eternal lives. And so now is the time uh, for the hard task of honestly examining ourselves. Examine ourselves, the scripture says, to see if we're in the faith. Don't, don't ask somebody else to do it. You do it. Examine yourself and see if we are immoderately giving ourselves to anything but God. If we have set up idols in our lives and given all to pursue them. And idols don't have to be little tiki statues. Uh, it can be jobs or sports or Riches or clothing or anything, you can, you know, fame for you. It could be social media can become an idol. Yeah, all these things can become an idol. So, so we've got to make sure that we are not just pursuing all these other things and not pursuing God. God is calling us to tear them down and seek the only true God in whose presence the scripture says is fullness of joy and out of his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, Solomon, honey, you can come to the music. I've already gotten. Wow, I didn't get as far as I needed to get, but we're coming to to the end. Um, when Sol, you know, you think about Solomon, when God said, "Just ask whatever you want, and I'll give it to you." Imagine that now. God's going to come and ask you, "Hey, I'll give you whatever you ask for." He didn't say anything. Didn't put no limitation, no restrictions. Ask what you will. I'll give it to you. And at the beginning, Solomon said, just give me wisdom to lead your people. That's it. 
just give me wisdom so I know how to go in and come out among your people, how to lead them, how to take care of your people. You know, this is the greatest people ever. And because he did that, the Lord said, I, and I have also given you that which you have not asked, riches and honor. So there is not, shall not be among any of the kings like you all your days. But see, even though God gave him riches and honor, Solomon felt like I got to add to what God's given me. And when you start trying to mix your stuff in and your stuff becomes more than God's stuff, you ask for wisdom. He gave him wisdom. But he turned wisdom off because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when he stopped reverencing the Lord as he should, he started adding his own stuff in. And then he let his wives and concubines build altars and groves and worship other things. And they even got him to worship other gods. It wasn't just like he let them go and do it. They got him to participate in idol worship and things of this world. And, and so you, you see, even our moderation has got to be in our relationships. Because, you know, I don't know how many other people he had around him, but when you've got a thousand different women in your life telling you, hey, come on, you going. And I don't know who else tried to tell him, hey, that ain't the way to go. That's not the thing to do. But he was overwhelmed because there was no more moderation. If there's one scripture that I remember, and I've got to get to the end of this because I know we're, we're running out of time. So if you'll stand with me. Ungodly influences and immoderately pursuing more wrecked Solomon's walk with God. It wasn't something that just, he was openly disobeying what God had told him. Don't take unto you wives of these strange lands and things like that. And he didn't do it once. He did it a thousand times. Not just once, but a thousand. And now, since we've learned how to unplug from the business of life, we've got to learn to live in moderation. And I I started to say this one scripture I remember so many times that I heard um, Brother quote this in Philippians 4 and 5. And some of you that may remember hearing him, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. So this is what Paul wrote to the church at the end of times. In these last days, he said, let your moderation be known unto all men because the Lord's at hand. Moderation is very important. Jesus is coming. It said, let your moderation be known. It needs to be something that people can see. People need to see that you are uh, living your life for God, and they shouldn't have to wonder. Well, I never see them because they're always at the ball field. I never see them because they're always at the lake. I never see them because they're always in the woods. I never see them because they're always here or there or anywhere else. you got to let your moderation be known. you got to let people know, I serve the Lord. And it's got to be through more than just you saying so. They've got, they need to see what you're doing, how you're living, and uh, understand that you are, are not going to be so wopsided. You know, 
Yeah, sometimes we'll go places. I can't go there every day. I don't go, I don't go on Sundays. And people say, hey, come on, let's go. Let's go back to the lake today. Today's Sunday. That's all right. You, you. No, today's Sunday. I've had all this other time to, to, for myself. This is the day I give to God. This is the day I, because if I give another day, that means I miss the whole, you know, because sometimes people work and Sunday is their only service. So if you only have one service, you make it to a week and you skip that service, that's a long time for you to be out of the house of God. And it, it, it'll hurt you. It'll hurt you. We need to, to serve the Lord with gladness. We need to let our moderation be known unto all men. Jesus is coming. Let's lift our hands and just thank the Lord. Ask God to help us to let go of some things in our life so we can get back to the place we need to be in Him. Lord, we love you and praise you today. And we're thankful, though, God, for all that you've blessed us with, the daily benefits, Lord. And we know that if we seek you first, all the things we need will be added unto us. But, Lord, don't let us start adding our own things, God. Lord, don't let us begin to live our life in covetousness, always looking for more and more and knowing that it won't profit anything. But, God, I pray that we'll learn to, to unplug from the ways of this world. Live our life in moderation, Lord God. Be content with the things that we have now because we know that you're never going to leave us. You're never going to forsake us, God. We, we'll be content with you and your ways, oh God. Help us to serve you, Lord, in truth and sincerity, to follow your word, to not be caught up, Lord, in this, this rat race of this world where we're uh, trying to keep up with everybody else. But Lord, let us keep up with you. We thank you for it today, God. Let us examine ourselves. Let us see where we're spending our time and where we're spending our money. Where have we laid our treasures up, God? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where have we laid our treasures? Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness and mercy. Bless us now in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand. Hallelujah. What a great God. What a great God. What a great God. You know, there's no... I don't know where Solomon is today, so don't think that I, I preached today and, and put Solomon in, in hell or something like that. I don't know where Solomon's at. I do know at the end of Ecclesiastes, he summed up and he said, the conclusion of the matter is this, fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. So maybe by the time he got to the end of all this, he had turned himself around. I sure hope so. I sure hope he found a place repent and get back to doing the things that God wanted them to do. But I do know he gave the right advice at the end. This is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of man. Praise God. Love you. God bless you. Find a place to pray. Get ready for the next service.